0: This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family wealth and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more.
1: How do we get you happy and then you bring that happiness to the marriage? How do we then, if you got to bring two happy people together, then you have the happiest marriage.
2: This
0: show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids & Money podcast, everybody. This is Session 88, and I am your host, Andy Hill. Today, we're speaking about how financial therapy can strengthen our marriage. Ooh, financial therapy. When it comes to marriage and money, my friends, sometimes we need a third party to help us enhance our relationship to mediate a dispute, or simply give us some guidance on communication techniques that we haven't tried before. To open us up to this new world, I've invited Kane Quarter on the show today. Kanae is a best-selling author, international speaker, and a psychotherapist, that specializes in financial therapy. How about that? <laughs> While working with Morgan Stanley, she saw that couples needed help with more than just the numbers. They experienced trauma and anxiety associated with money that blocked their happiness. She started a company called Presidential Lifestyle. This is a wellness group focused on all forms of wealth, and she now helps couples become a winning team in love life and money sounds like an incredible opportunity to enhance our marriage i'm excited about this conversation everyone after our time with kane we're highlighting another money master of the week but first up let's talk love marriage and money with psychotherapist kane quarter welcome to the show kane how are you today i'm great how are you? Thank you for having me. I'm great. It's a beautiful morning, and uh, I love having conversations about love and money. So, we're, me too. <laughs> we're on the we're on the right team, I think. Yes. So, could you tell us a little bit about what financial therapy is? I think that um, you know I've heard of marriage counseling, and we've heard mm-hmm. of other things, but financial therapy, obviously, that's a that's a very interesting topic. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is?
1: Yeah. So the way that I administer financial therapy is very close to marriage counseling because I am a therapist. Now you don't have to be a therapist to be a financial therapist Mm -hmm. uh, because there are people in the financial therapy association that are one or the other. They were therapists and then they decided to add financial um, therapy to their practice or they were financial advisors in some sort of way. You know how they have a bunch of titles for financial advisors Mm -hmm. and they decided that that they understood couples needing help outside of the numbers. Mm -hmm. And so they they went into financial therapy. And so that's to give you a background on who a financial therapist is. Mm -hmm. And now let me answer your actual question. (laughs) 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 So financial therapy is reconciling your emotions around money to improve your relationship with money. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And now as a couple, improving your relationship with money also improves your relationship as a couple because it allows you to communicate better. And I know that's something that you talk about a lot. Um, Communicate better. It allows you to collaborate better. And collaboration is so important because Mm -hmm. what is a marriage (laughs) except for collaboration, right? It's like a business merger. And so because it is a merger, having, being able to have the conversation on how the money merges or how the money separates from you, because you have two different ideas of that. And so it starts with, so I say that, power couples come out of financial therapy. It's just a saying that I say, um, not a financial therapy association saying, but the way that happens is for them to be both powerful themselves. And so you build some awareness on your strengths and, we, and challenges. And then you look at the couple. Okay. So now that we know our own strengths and challenges, then we bring that together. How can I help you? How can I serve you so that your challenges are not as much at a deficit? And, and then, you know, what do you bring to the marriage? And then once we merge those and then we see what's still left, then we delegate that stuff. Right. Because just because it's two people doesn't mean every challenge is going to be fixed between the two of us. We hope so. Maybe. But just in case it's not, we kind of look at those blind spots to see. So what may come up and and how can we delegate that or 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 um, I don't use the word fix Mm -hmm. because it's it means something is broken. But I'm a very strengths based and, and positive therapist. So how do we create what we're really looking for and and that's yeah that's the hard part how do we create what we're looking for and that's why the third party comes in
0: well it makes sense you know if we um if we want to get in good shape we meet up with a uh uh, you know, a fitness coach or mm-hmm. if we want to get, you know, right with our money, we we meet with a financial advisor. Why not have this combination with your marriage where you, yeah. can, uh, you know, grow your wellness both emotionally and financially with somebody as a third party. So that makes a ton of sense. Could, could you tell us a little bit about maybe the, the typical clients you're meeting with and what type of situation where they would, where they would want to meet with a financial therapist?
1: Yes, I'm glad we're talking about that because I think that people believe, especially when it comes to financial therapy, that that's because you don't have enough money. And it actually is the opposite. Because if you don't have enough money, that's a whole nother conversation. We're not even really talking about money yet because survival is what we're talking right. about, right, if you don't have enough money. And so if the clients that I see, and, and I've typically... Um, I, my office is in a affluent area of Georgia, mm-hmm. and so most of my clients I have money. That's not the issue. They're not worried about what's coming in. They got the earn part of the money cycle down, and I define the money cycle as earn, grow, protect, gift, and enjoy your money. Most of the clients that I see are trying to navigate the money cycle, but having some arguments or decisions just disputes. It doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, drop down fights where they're yelling at each other, but just there's, they're divided and they're trying to get on the same page. Now here's another thing, because I am a therapist, I often run into anxiety and trauma, PTSD. Um, I work, I'm a trauma therapist. That is my trade. That's what I was trained to do. So a lot of times they come to me because there is anxiety or trauma in the relationship and we find that money is causing that anxiety. Hmm. So it doesn't, it doesn't always work that they like, here they're like, Hey, here's our money challenge. Can you help us solve it? Right. Sure. Sometimes it's like, Hey, I got this feeling. I had a panic attack or, you know, I'm have I'm anxious or we've lost everything before we gained it back and I'm afraid we're going to do it again. Like something like that could happen. And that's how we get to the money conversation. But if we, if I had to describe my typical client or patient, um, it is a man or woman. I, I see probably sixty percent women, forty percent men. At some when it comes to money. Now the other side of therapy, surprisingly, see. 60% men, 40% women. I I see a lot of men about anger. And I also see a lot of men about their idea of prosperity. And that has surprised me because I didn't expect that that would be what my practice would look like. But I see a lot of men around anger and prosperity. And actually those two go together because I think men, Uh, We are men are in society. What we do to men is we tell them that there's only one emotion that they're allowed to feel. And that's anger. And then the rest, they're they're punks. You know, they're 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 all these bad names. Right. We can't even say them (laughs) because it's a family show. But if they don't, (laughs) but if they don't, um, if they feel anger, that's okay. They can express that one. But all the other emotions, they can't. Hmm. Right. And what about confusion, though? That's not fair that men are not allowed to be confused. And that's the one that I I find a lot that they come to see about is fi- help me find some clarity around this area of my life because I want to be happy. And I was told that money co- couldn't buy happiness, but then I went after the money anyway. And so because uh, I thought they were wrong and I'm confused. And then they come to Kanae and I say, no, you're right. Money can buy happiness. I'll show you. You just have to know what makes you happy.
0: Excellent. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And you, you started to talk about, um, you know, men getting a little angry and, you know, confusing this prosperity thing. Um, where does that come from for men? So, you know, we're, we're we're going down this path of what we think success is, and then we're misguided along the way. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
1: Yeah, so a couple of things happen. Um, Starting out very young. Now, let me say this. So we get our money beliefs in place. 85% of our money beliefs are in place by age three and 95 by age 15. At that same time, we're also getting our love beliefs. So love beliefs are set in place by age three. So, and I would say about the same, about 85%. So there's not much room for us to learn much more after age three about how we are supposed to be loved or how we're supposed to handle money. So those two get implanted in us very early, way before we get our first paycheck, way before we fall in love, right? So way before any of this stuff happens, we set in our brains how we're supposed to behave. Now, what happens is for ladies we're taught, express yourself, tell us how you feel, you know, right? And so women, we get in touch with our feelings. Also, we have friends along the way that will ask us, well, how does that feel? Well, you must be really upset. Well, let me give you a hug, right? That is happening in our lives. Well, as men grow up, it's not express your feelings. It's like, what are you crying about? Stop that crying. That's for girls, Mm -hmm. right? And so they learn very early that it's not okay for me to feel, and and I don't even want to feel actually because it hurts sometimes, right? But well, for ladies, we're taught it's it hurts. But that's okay because it's supposed to hurt, and we'll talk about it, and you'll get over it, right? But men don't have that outlet, and so they've been holding their feelings in, holding their feelings and all the feelings didn't have to be um, hurtful, but they even hold some of the good feelings in too. And I have the statement that lack of self-expression leads to depression and it may not be, you know, you're you're depressed in bed. You can't get out the bed. It's a depression where you can't express yourself. You're not being authentic. So if you're not being authentic then and you can't express yourself, Right here's how you do it. Oh, I'll take my money and I'll express myself. I'll buy you things and then you'll love me. Right. Because I can't tell you how much I love you. Now I'm not saying across the board, no man has ever expressed their love because my brother is one of the most expressive (laughs) people you will ever meet. I mean, he hugs his friends. Like he sees them like, man, I love you, man. Come here. Like I see you in so long. Like he is just very expressive and he has no problem expressing his feelings. But my mom, Foster that in us. Now, not every man gets that. They don't get that, and so their tall anger is the only one. So they suppress all the emotions, and nothing can be suppressed for very long. We already know that. Then it becomes like a volcano, and it all comes out. He has no idea what any of this is. Oh my gosh, I'm feeling things. It must be anger because that is the only emotion I'm able to feel, right? Could be frustration. Could just be irritation. Could just be confusion could actually be love, but I'm not allowed to express love. I'm on express express anger. So here you go. When I yell at you, that means I love you. I wouldn't be so hard on you if I didn't love you. What do you all of that?
0: What do you think can uh, change in society uh, to help men, you know, let their guard down a little bit, to be more emotional, to be more communicative?
1: So there's a couple of things. One is there's no right and wrong. I think what happens in society, we're, we're so stuck on right and wrong. And right and wrong gets us in trouble because there really is no right. There is no wrong. It's just the way you do it, Andy. Mm-hmm. And it's the way that I do it, right? It's your preference, Andy, and it's my preference. Right. And so we've taught men that they have to be right, right? They have to know everything. They have to take care of everything. Women, we lean on men who are like, Hey, you're supposed to get this right. You know what? <laughs> fix it. Fix it, right? And he's like, "Well, I don't have the answers. I didn't. I don't. I don't know what that answer is. But together we could explore it and figure it out. And I'll lead us in this exploration. But I don't know, right? And because he's told that he has to know, but he's also told that he can't be wrong." He, he has to build up this guard of, I know everything and I, I'm on and I'm, and when I don't, I'll get angry enough for us to both, you know, feel it. So yeah, I think we, what we could do to help men is to cut out the whole right and wrong thing. There's no right and wrong. And then also we're all allowed to feel, feel whatever we're feeling. We just have to understand how to express it. So as early as possible, talk to. And my mom is, she parents like a therapist. She's not a therapist, but one of the things that she would always do with us is she had, well, tell me about wh- what you were thinking when you did that. And as a kid, you know, the answer, I don't know. And she wouldn't let us get away with that. Mm-hmm. She's like, no, you do. Let's, let's, exp- let's go deeper, like explore it. And then like, um, well maybe, maybe I was thinking it would be fun yeah, you probably were thinking it would be fun. Was it fun? <laughs> <laughs> well, at first, until <laughs> I got caught. <laughs> right? But she allowed us to express that. And if we allow men to express that, we're he could just say, Well, I thought it would feel good. And it did for a minute. But then I actually felt bad on my own before I even got caught. And then I did it again because all my other friends were doing it. And they said it was supposed to feel good. And it didn't feel good, even though they said it would. So I said, Maybe I was doing it wrong. Right. And so I'm going to try it again. Oh, and then I got caught. <laughs> right. And so. The thing that happens with men, and I'll, I'm giving this, I put the responsibility on society first, sure. and I put the responsibility on women first, but se- this is the third responsibility goes to men, mm-hmm. and you guys have got to hold each other accountable you gotta got to start having real, authentic conversations with each other, and not again. Not that every man isn't. Some men are. Like I said, my brother is who I know for sure does it. Um, and so, and maybe you, the conversations that you have, you don't have to go deep because I know men sometimes say, "Well, that's his business, and I don't want to get into it, right? Or I don't want to offend him and make him think he's." wrong, Mm -hmm. right? Because if I correct you, then it's wrong. What you do with your money, if I correct you, then it's wrong, right? No, no, no. I'm just giving you another perspective. And so if men go to each other with a different perspective, let's explore the other options. That's it. That's all. Let's explore the other options. And that is where the conversation because two men having that conversation is different than a man and a woman. So I can tell my man, whatever I want to tell him and he's going to think, well, you don't understand because you're a woman.
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because I, uh, I agree with you. I, I, know, I know the exact situation that you're in because um, I think that's incredible. I think what you just talked about is could be extremely powerful not only for just individual marriages, but for this country in general, I think, um, you know, a lot of unnecessary anger or a lot of Mm -hmm. um, resolutions could happen just through, you know, further conversation, exploration of emotions and where people are. Um, I mean, I guess we'll bring it back to marriage (laughs) because I'm getting a little high there. But um, so with marriage, um, you know, conversations like this, it sounds like that's when people maybe are coming in for the conversations, maybe after the explosion you talked about <laughs> or the explosion maybe happens in your office. Um, is that is that when people are starting to make their way and having conversations with you? Yes, both.
1: <laughs> so a lot of times they do wait until it's not not too late, but until it's just really, really heavy. Mm-hmm. And there are a couple of reasons why, you know, society there's part of society that values therapy yeah. or values counsel, period, mm-hmm. right? Because we kind of live in a do-it-yourself kind of society right now. It didn't used to be like that in the past, but right now we're in a very do-it-yourself mm-hmm. society. And the reason is because of trust. We don't trust each other anymore. Mm-hmm. Some, t- some of that is valid because there are some snakes out there. So part of it is trust. So they're like, we're not going to therapy because what is that lady going to tell us that we don't already know ourselves, right? Or we can't Google and find out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Or ask Alexa, Alexa, how do I solve my marriage? (laughs) (laughs)
1: Exactly. So, you go to Alexa, the first therapist you get first, right? And she'll probably throw out some things. I mean, Alexa's pretty smart. She'll probably throw out some things. She probably has some books and some blogs in her database that she could give you that you could start reading and work on, right? And then you have church. That's the other side. So, then people believe, well, maybe we could just solve it in our church, right? And and that could be true because that could be a way for it to work. But if your pastor or whoever you go and talk to doesn't have the background to see the anxiety or to see the history, what I find a lot is trauma because love is sometimes expressed through what we've been through in the past. And when I say sometimes, that's only because I don't have the numbers in front of me. But really, if if I'm really honest, it's always expressed by our past, mm-hmm. Right. And that's just me being honest, not me being a therapist because therapists like numbers. So because I don't have real statistics. Especially financial therapists. (laughs) (laughs) So because I don't have real statistics, statistics, I won't, you know, go too far down that. But what happens is our love is expressed by our past, the way we interpret it. And at three years old, we're not really good interpreters. Mm -hmm. We take in all this information. And since because we established the way that we're supposed to love so early in our life, we were learning to walk, we were learning to talk, we were learning to love, Mm -hmm. we were learning how we should uh, create or spend money. And when I say create, that's earning, um, but I use the word create more than earn because there is this idea that we have to work hard for our money. And so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because what happens is couples have two different histories. Even if they were raised by the same person, they would have two different histories. But they weren't. They were raised by two different people. Sometimes they weren't raised by people at all, hmm. basically, you know. and I'm saying that figuratively. True. But they, the caretaker may not even, even love them or shown them any love. And so how are they expected to come into a relationship and be able to love? But we don't give our partners credit for that. We don't give our partners credit for the fact that I never learn a love. I'm trying right now, but you're not helping. Right.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. So when they come into my office, it's really about how they are expressing their love. And for some men that might be angry. I don't know how. So I get angry. I'm confused. Uh, I can't seem to um, I can't seem to please her. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and women seem very complex and they're not. They're really simple. It's just that you have to study out the book, the right book, right? Because if you're trying to figure out how to do heart surgery and you're studying a brain surgery book, you're going to get it wrong. Right.
0: Absolutely.
1: So, yeah. I just, I just help me find the right book. Get on the, get in the right book, man. You're in the wrong book. <laughs>
0: so, I would agree that, uh, I, I still have, I've been married eight years. I still have not solved the, the book of Nicole. So I'm still <laughs> working on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be back to the show in just a moment after a word from our sponsors. Above that ten dollar per month mark. Again, use MKM twenty to get twenty percent off at marriagekidsandmoney.com dot com slash telo, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up! The code is valid until April nineteenth, twenty twenty four. marriagekidsandmoney.com dot com slash telo. Thanks for considering our sponsors today, everybody. Let's jump back into that interview. You know, we, we've talked a little bit about how people come together for these okay. conversations and what they might, um, you know, might be talking about. But let's talk about what, you know, sort of the outcomes or, or the goals of there. So you talk a lot about financial prosperity, and I think that's a lot mm-hmm. of probably what you're trying to um, develop with these conversations. Can you talk about what financial prosperity means to you? To me? Yes,
1: uh, okay, absolutely. So I'm so used to talking about other people.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, in order to get the, you know, the the I guess the the general thought of, you know, the conversation we're having together as the interview, I'd love to learn a little bit more about what it means to you because I'm sure that's what you try to bring across um, when you're in your conversations with your clients.
1: So I, my idea of prosperity, what I normally ask people is how do you want to show up in the world? And so I have this affirmation about how I want to show up in the world. And so that is I am happily married, highly paid, highly sought after, international speaker, New York Times bestselling author, millionaire therapist in excellent health. I get paid for being me. My life is very easy. So if you listen to that paragraph, um, prosperity to me means being in, in a committed relationship. That is a part of prosperity to me. Wasn't always but it is now, uh, being a New York times bestselling author. And the reason is because I am an author, um, and having the highest, you know, award for doing that is important to me, uh, being a sought after, speaker is important to me because I feel like I have a message that can help relieve some of the pain in the world. Not out of vanity, you know, don't hire me as a speaker just because I like to hear myself talk, but I really do have a solution to some of the pain in the world. And so being highly sought after for me means that we actually solve a problem rather than just keep talking about the problem because that is a pet peeve of mine. Uh, And then as a therapist, I do plan to be the the premier financial therapist. There are other therapists that specialize in finances. I'm not the only one, but I do want to be the leader in that. And so prosperity for me is about knowing, knowing what's important to you, what value you want to add to the world, what comes easy to you, and maybe even knowing your challenges too. And so the way that I do that is with patients is to get down to three words. And my three words are autonomy, creativity, and generosity. So autonomy, because I love to make my own schedule. If you tell me, hey, just do it whenever you get a chance, I'm going to do it right now. (laughs) But if you tell me, go do this right now, I'm like, what? I'll do it when I get ready. (laughs) (laughs) It's so wrong, but I know myself, know thyself, right? <laughs> so, um, and then creativity, whatever it is that I, whatever value I bring to the world, it will come out of me being creative, solving a problem. And, and I, and I don't even really like the word problem. I usually use the word challenge because it's just a, it's a negative word. And I'm a strength based therapist. Um, also, generosity. So my core value is generosity. Love to give and receive, but I have been in my past a much better giver than I was a receiver. Right now I'm working on receiving, but generosity is still a core value of mine.
0: So those are the three areas you're working on, not only personally, but with your clients as well. Is that right?
1: Um, Well, it it goes like this. The first question that I just answered was what is, how do I want to show up in the world? Mm -hmm. That is the first question I ask every patient and I take myself out of it because my values are not important. So being a millionaire may not be important to my, my client. Right. And so we're not talking about being a millionaire then we're talking about being a thousandaire mm-hmm. or even a year, whatever is important to them. Right. So first question I asked, I, the reason why I ask that is so that I can get in line with their values. Because I don't want to change their world. The way they want to show up is how they want to show up. And they know deep in their heart and your gut, that's when you really know how you want to show up. Even if you're not doing it yet, you know in your gut. And so I want to get down there in their gut with them and find out what that is. And then I'm leading them there. And then I just get them on the path. And then I'm like, okay, bye. can't wait to see you at the top, you know, kind of like that. Um, But really helping them create that path and then sending them off on that path because I don't want to be there. They can always come back, of course, especially if they get off the path. Um, But creating that path to happiness is my job, helping them create that path and then getting them on it and then just seeing them along their way.
0: And so, so you're individually working with the clients in those areas, and then with regard to the marriage and the partnership, it's it sounds like you're trying to fix it at the core 1st the, the individual person finding what's important to them, and then yep. finding the, the uh, the way that the, um, the the synchronicity of the marriage after that point uh, after they're, mm-hmm. they're fixing themselves—is that right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that you'll hear me talk about a lot is the Prosperity Club. And the Prosperity Club is where you as a person find your values around money and really define what's important to you. And then... I moved them to the marriage money mission. And that is when as a, as a couple, you decide your values. So I come into the marriage with a value, right? And then I find out my husband's value. And then together we determine what the mission is for the family. Now, here's the thing early on, we should have, we should have looked to see if our values were aligned. Mm-hmm. We don't always do that, though. We're like, oh, <laughs> we have fun together. We have great sex. We have, you know, this. We, we both want children. Right. It was not about you both wanting children. How do you plan to raise those children? Right. And so th- if those conversations haven't been had, then that's the conversation we have in therapy. Mm-hmm. So what are your values? And the the conversations, the arguments that you're having are value arguments a lot of times. Well, this is what I value. And you are telling me that my value is wrong. And I I value this and I value that. And so what I'm doing is finding out what their core values are. Like I said, autonomy, creativity, generosity for me, right? And so if 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 I'm not allowed to have some freedom, then you're not going to get a happy kiné no matter what. You're not going to get a happy kiné. You can bring all the money you want. If you if I don't have any freedom, I'm still going to be irritated through this. And so, like you said, we look at the core of the person first. How do we get you happy and then you bring that happiness to the marriage? How do we then, if you got to bring two happy people together, then you have the happiest marriage. Hmm.
0: I love it. I love it. And and, and if you hmm. find, you know, you said at the beginning of the relationship, it would have been great if we aligned our values and then said, hey, let's march march forward together in this marriage. What if you find eight, ten, twelve years later that your values don't align? How, how do you how do you mitigate that?
1: So if your values don't align, but you're still committed to the marriage, that's the important part of yeah. that sentence. So if your values don't align and you want out, then you could we can still talk. And we find out, how do we do that in the most amicable way? How do we do that so we're not? Because that right or wrong starts to create divisiveness. And the more divisiveness that comes up, the more you hate each other and the more you want to hurt each other. And Mm so my job then is to show you how to part or uncouple, you know, part in the most amicable way. You can still love each other and not be together Mm -hmm. that is okay. And I think society tells us that divorce is because one person is right and one person is wrong. And this is not true. You're just different and your values are not the same. Now, if you say our values are different and we are committed to this marriage, we have a plan, we have children, and we don't want our early mistake to affect them, Mm -hmm. then you get on the same page as how you fall in love with the plan. You may not be in love with your partner, but you've got to fall in love with that plan and then reignite that love as often as possible. Now, if you're in this marriage, because society also says now, it used to be back in the day, love didn't have anything to do with marriage. It was about an arrangement, right? And then love got put in and then people were like, well, you know, then then then, it, then the fairy tale came and it was like, oh no, he didn't come on a white horse. This must not be my husband, right? <laughs> <laughs> so get (laughs) the fairy tale away first. Let's work on getting the fairy tale away. If you fall in love with the plan and you understand that the plan is not a blockbuster movie, right? it is not that it's a real freaking life. So let go of that fairy tale movie thing that you had going on and, and see what's really what you have. Look at what you have together. Where do you work? What values do align? Uh, and again, I think what we have been taught to do is to look at the negative. Let's look at the negative. And it's not our fault. Human beings are wired that way because the brain needs you to see the negative so you can stay alive. Right. Because that's a saber tooth tiger, not a butterfly run, right? If you go, oh, pretty little cat, let me pet that saber tooth tiger, right? No, that's not going to keep you alive. You've got to assume that that saber tooth tiger is out to kill you, out to eat you. And so you've got to run. So our brains are still working off our primitive caveman way of thinking. Our hearts, however, are speeded down the evolution chain and way too far ahead. And so they're conflicting, The heart and the brain are conflicting and the gut knows. The gut knows, but we don't follow our guts. We follow our brains. And the brain says, that man is going to hurt you. So protect yourself. We put our guard and we never let them down because he hurt us once. He'll hurt us again, rather than saying that is that man's behavior, not who that man is at the core. So going back to the values, you look at that man's values, you look at that woman's values and you see who she is. Her values are important, whether they're a like mind or not, they're important to her. And let me find out why this value is important to her. So here's the last point. It's a very long answer to your question, but curiosity never lose that curiosity. If you can fall in love with the plan, you can understand your partner's values through curiosity. Those two can keep you together even when the love is not there. And I interview people on my podcast who have been together for 40 and 50 years and the love is not always there. So you've got to fall in love with the plan and you've got to be curious and that will keep you in that marriage if you find that you don't have the same values. Now, if you have the the same values, it's a lot easier, right? You don't need as much counseling. You may just need a little counseling on how to bring your ideas of how to express those values together, mm-hmm. but you don't actually need to, to resolve, you know, there's nothing to resolve. You're just at wondering how to evolve together because you've been doing separately. Now you need to know how you do it together.
0: I love that. Well, wh- whether you feel you need it or you don't need counseling, I feel like investigating and meeting with somebody like yourself, uh, can be very helpful. Nicole and I have done that. It's just great to have a third party that is there to, you know, just walk along the conversations that you're not able to have together because, because they're not brought up in certain ways, you know, being able to talk about the past, like you talked about and finding out how we can develop ourselves at the core. Um, I, I, would highly recommend it for, for a lot of people. I think it's very helpful for the marriage. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. And, and the budget parties that you talk about, I've heard you talk about your budget parties. Um, we have money day in, in our, um, in, in our land in prosperity land. <laughs> and so, um, but also you might even have a day where you just get to vent, right? Absolutely. And I, I don't know what you call it. You call it whatever you like. Um, but just go ahead and vent and say, Hey, is this is what I'm feeling. And you gotta give each other space to do that. Because and, cause that's what happens in therapy, really, where the, the person vents. Well, he does this, and she does that, and I, and I want to do this, blah, blah, right? You just vent. And so if you allow your partner to do that without taking it personally, then it'll be a much easier marriage. I'm not saying marriage is easy. I'm saying it's easier when you can allow your partner to express themselves and say, this is not about me, this is about her right? It's not about me. It's about him. Let him say how he feels, let her say how he or she feels, right? And then just listen and then be curious again. Okay. And then for men, there's no fix. Sometimes you don't have to fix it. just yet
0: keep reminding (laughs) me
1: (laughs) (laughs) right i'm the same way actually i i'm the same way i'm similar to men in that way that if you bring me a a challenge i'm like oh we must be looking for solutions here (laughs) the only reason we're talking about this right but understand (laughs) for for women sometimes it is a let's just talk about it let's just get it out there and then we can somehow come back to it and, and fix it right or solve it but sometimes you just need to vent. And that's a new concept for me and, and me. So
0: <laughs> Yeah. You just summarized the first three years of my marriage. I didn't get it. I was like, "What? wait, no, no, no. She's talking to me about something that's very important. I have to solve it. Uh, right. right. Exactly. That's what I'm supposed to do. In, Why is she getting paid? <laughs> <I gotta laughs> <relieve the pain. laughs> well, tell us a little bit about this prosperity club and uh, where people can learn more about it.
1: So the Prosperity Club is a community and it's also a course. So it's a course that helps you get on your idea of prosperity, kind of create and define. Because some people may have some idea like I do, uh, but define it. So it helps you define your idea of prosperity. There are courses in there that come every month to help you create your prosperity plan. So, it's an annual membership that you get, you'll get courses each month that each month you'll get a little bit closer and a little bit closer to your prosperity plan. So, I kind of walk you through how to create a prosperity plan. And then You also have the community. So there's a Facebook group. You can go to kineacorder.com slash Facebook. And the Facebook group is where you can interact with me. You can interact with other people. So you can talk to another person or a couple and say, hey, has anybody dealt with this? Or what are your ideas around this? Hey, we're working on this. Anybody got any ideas? And so you can do that. But there are also videos and stuff in there that give you tips and tools and resources on how to create or continue on your prosperity path.
2: I love it.
0: I love it. Well, I will definitely include all that information in the show notes and the best place for people to find you if they want to connect. Where's that? So
1: I'll say this. One thing that I I know that happens, a lot of times people want to take the money mentality quiz and understand their money mentality. And we didn't talk a lot about it here on this show, but that's a really great way to help couples understand each other financially is to take the money mentality quiz and then discuss their strengths and weaknesses around money. So you can go to KanaeQuarter.com slash money. Dash quiz and take the money mentality quiz doesn't mean you opted in to anything. You're just taking the quiz, and so if you do want to opt in to something, then go to the Facebook page kinadequarter.com/slash/facebook, and that way you can opt in and we can talk more, and you can get on that list and so and start to receive um, emails from me.
0: Excellent, and then the opportunity to open up and. Uh you know, not to explode into a volcano like some men do. Exactly. And I say that like I've never done it. Oh, I've definitely never done that in my marriage, of course. (laughs) (laughs) Not me, no, no. (laughs) Thank you so much for your time today, Kane. I really appreciate you joining.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: A third party can help us on so many levels, in my opinion. We know that eating healthy and exercising daily is best for us, but... Do we do it? Nah. But a fitness coach can at least steer us in the right direction and get us back on track. It sounds like financial therapy is the same thing for our marriage and our money. If we want to thrive financially, but we feel like our present relationship with our spouse is holding us back, a third party might be the answer. Kane did leave us with some solid advice that we can start implementing well before any sessions that we would take with a financial therapist. Here are my top three takeaways from this enlightening discussion with Kane Number one, don't suppress your emotions. I am so guilty of this one. Sometimes I grin and bear it, quote unquote, or hold it in and then boom, I explode. It's bad for the kids. It's bad for my relationship with Nicole This is something I am definitely working on. You can work on it with me. (laughs) When there's an issue or something that you're not thrilled about, speak up. We can do so politely, but honest and direct. I listened to this interview with Dr. Aziz Gazipura. Gazipura? Gazipura. I'm going to say with. I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with Gazipura. Anyway, he wrote a book called Not Nice. He made the argument that being nice or being a people pleaser can actually lead to some pretty bad things like anxiety, depression, anger, and resentment. I don't want any of those things. So let's not suppress our feelings anymore, my friends. (laughs) Number two, your spouse isn't looking for you to fix everything. I'm putting my hand up again here with this one. I am guilty once again. I have to remind myself that when my wife is speaking to me about a complicated situation in her life, I don't always need to fix it for her. Now, if she asks for my opinion or my thoughts on the matter, totally. But more often than not, she's looking for someone to speak with and truly listen. Yes, truly listen. Not think about what I'm going to say next. But truly listen. This is difficult for me and I'm constantly working on it. Based on my conversation with Kene, it doesn't sound like I'm alone in this one. (laughs) Number three, if you want to improve your marriage, look internally first. It's so easy to blame our spouses for our unhappiness or our dissatisfaction. Instead, let's all try to look at how we can improve ourselves first. Let's take radical responsibility for our own actions and behaviors. Let's modify that Gandhi quote a bit and tell ourselves to be the change we want to see in our marriages. Those were my top three takeaways, everyone. Number one, don't suppress your emotions. Number two, your spouse isn't looking for you to fix everything. Number three, if we want to improve our marriages, we need to look internally first. That's why I love this show. This is homework for you and for me. We are improving together. We can have all the money in the world, my friends. But if our marriages are rocky, well, I guess at least we at least we'd have the money to pay for financial therapy. <laughs> Time to announce the Money Master of the Week. Clark from Washington, D.C. sent me a voicemail about a recent net worth win. Take it away,
2: Clark. Hey, Andy. Thanks for having me on the podcast. I go by Clark, and I'm a 26 year old living in the Washington, D.C. area. My recent financial win is that my net worth just topped $100,000. A big reason for this was graduating with minimal student loan debt. I received a merit scholarship that covered half of college costs, worked several jobs between semesters, And graduated a semester early due to AP credits from high school. I was also extremely fortunate to have my parents offer to cover half the cost of college, which was instrumental in reaching this milestone. Prior to starting my full-time job, my parents sat me down and helped create a budget that had me put 10% into my 401k and an additional $250 each month into a savings account to start an emergency fund. This budget allowed me to save over 30% of my income, I did make my fair share of mistakes, and after dealing with some lifestyle inflation last year, I discovered the FIRE community, or financial independence, or retire early. Learning from them, I've been able to kick bad or costly habits, maximize my savings and investment strategy, and boost my savings rate to over 50%. Going forward, my ultimate goal is to become financially independent in my 30s, at which time I have the freedom to choose whether or not I still want to work. To do this, I'm looking forward to create multiple income streams, minimize lifestyle inflation, and enjoy the journey. I blog about my journey to financial independence over at youngfirenight.com. So feel free to stop by and see what methods I'm using along the way. A $100,000 net worth at 26 years old. That
0: is incredibly inspiring. Clark is definitely on his way to a secure and wealthy future. I love how his parents not only supported him financially through college, but they supported him with the knowledge to be a financial success as well. They taught him to avoid debt. They taught him to save and invest early and often compound interest is going to treat my friend Clark very well. And I don't doubt that he will achieve that goal of financial independence in his thirties. He's got some incredible focus and determination, and he's already demonstrated this in his college years and his post college years. He will be fi in no time, in my opinion. If you want to learn more about Clark and his path to financial independence, check him out at YoungFireNight.com. That's YoungFireNight.com. Clark, thank you so much for touching base, man, and congratulations for being our Money Master of the Week. Do you have a recent financial victory that you want to share on the show? Touch base with your friend, Andy, and shoot me a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail, just like Clark did. It's a really fun way to hear what's going on in your world, and when you put it out there, man you're really inspiring other people to win too. So give it a shot. MarriageKidsAndMoney.com slash voicemail. You will find all the links and resources for today's show at MarriageKidsAndMoney.com slash session 88. Before we go today, I want to encourage you all to shoot me a voicemail or an email with any questions you have as well on top of those wins. If you haven't listened to our show on the first Monday of every month, I answer a question from the Marriage, Kids & Money community. So shoot me an email at Andy at andyatmarriagekidsandmoney.com or a voicemail at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash voicemail. And I will feature your question on the show. It's super cool. Again, if you're throwing questions out there, or you're throwing, you know, wins that you've had out there for Money Master of Week, uh, for Money Master of the Week, this is a great way to inspire others or help other people along in their financial journey. So give it a shot, touch base with me and let's have some fun on next Monday's episode, which is uh, oddly enough, the first Monday of the month, I have a very special guest that is going to be joining me. And that person is going to help me answer our monthly question together. It's going to be fun in the spirit of growth and inspiration. I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Harry golden. The only thing that overcomes hard luck is hard work. Let's give our best for our marriages, everybody. Carpe diem!